great to be with you this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I've been, had the privilege of coming in and out of EFCC for many, many years, but I reckon the last time was pre-COVID, so that dates it a little bit, doesn't it? So it's been a little while, and it's, but for me, it's, it's coming home to family. It's like reconnecting with old friends, and it's just wonderful to have the hugs on the way in. Thank you for that. I just felt very, very welcome this morning. Well, already this morning, I think that pro the prophetic is flowing in the house, isn't it? And I just love the fact when, when God is in the house, we can expect to hear from him. And this morning, I've got a really simple word for you, but I felt it comes with big, big encouragement. And what I would love is for us to leave this morning feeling who I am is more than enough to face whatever it is that will come my way in the days ahead. And you might think, who I am? Surely not. But actually, it's who we are connected to an amazing God that together we partner and we can do incredible things. And I believe this is a season, and Drew already said it, but for signs and wonders. I love, Rachel often says, what's a sign and a wonder? And she says, it's a sign that makes people wonder about God. And I believe that what God is doing in your midst is to make you a sign that will make people wonder about God in this community. And you're already seeing it, but I believe there's more. And my encouragement to you today is, don't think too small in this season. Because you serve an amazingly big God. And over and over again, many people are just sensing that we are in for seeing God break through in signs and miracles. Unfortunately, in the UK, we've sometimes adopted the mindset that we've got to go to amazing India to see God move in signs and wonders. We've got to go to incredible China or Africa. But you know what? It's the same God. And we've got to break a mindset that isn't a kingdom mindset, but it's a British mindset. And I can say that I'm half English and half Egyptian. So sometimes I'm mean to the Egyptians, and sometimes I'm mean to the English. <laughs> but give me some rope today. I grew up in the Middle East. And as I was sitting worshipping, I felt God say to me, tell them the story of Mariam. Now, Mariam is a wonderful friend of mine. And we had the privilege of going out to Egypt a few times a year for a period of three years. And God just said to us, go and disciple my secret weapons, the women of the Middle East. The ones they least expect. <laughs> and so we went faithfully and we went and we literally did almost like a mobile school of training and discipleship with them. And we took a, a small group. Jesus had his 12 and he changed the world. And we felt God say, you know, how do you start to change a nation? Well, you do it one person at a time. You literally disciple and train in the ways of Jesus. Because the ways of Jesus are powerful. They are supernatural. And if each one of us had that confidence that we are made to carry the power and authority of a supernatural God wherever we go, whether it's in the supermarket, at the school gate, into our workplace, that is a revolution right there. But we just sometimes don't believe that what we have is enough. And I want to tell you, what you have is dynamite. Why? Because it's Jesus' way. 
Mariam was one of those who didn't believe she had very much. But what she had, she always was really generous with. Incredibly generous woman of God. Knew Jesus, loved Jesus. And we did this school of, of discipleship with them, and we used to break bread with them, just share what Jesus taught us to do, to break bread, to pray, to have fellowship, to teach one another. And on the last time we met, and this is going back some years, so it was December 2010, we felt God say, don't meet in the you know, conference center, retreat center that you've been meeting in. Go and meet in a home. So we went and we met in Mariam's home, and we broke bread and we shared, we prayed for each other. She said, wow, this is actually really simple. And it was like, yes, it is. <laughs> and when we left, she said, I wish my home could be used like this more often. Three weeks later, the whole nation was turned upside down in what was then called the Arab Spring. Literally, the nation was rocked with revolution. There was a curfew, they were in lockdown, nobody was allowed to move, nobody could go anywhere, people were terrified, what does this mean? The government was, the military literally went out on the streets to contain what was going on. And all of a sudden, Mariam had this weird experience. She opened the door, and there was people there, and they said, can we come in? We hear this is a safe place. She's like, you hear from who? <laughs> it's the whole, what? <laughs> and she said, we just, we just felt this was a safe place. She lives in an apartment block. A little while later. This went on every day for three weeks while they were all in lockdown, actually not supposed to go anywhere. And cut a very long story short, for Every day of those three weeks, she had somewhere between, it could be 20, it could be 50, up to 75 people show up in her home morning and evening saying the same thing. We just were praying and we felt God say, come to this house, this is a safe place. Come to this house, teach us, give us what you've got. And I was like, that is amazing. Slowly from providing cups of tea and coffee and a shoulder to cry on because people were terrified, they began to gather around the word of God. They began to just literally teach each other what they knew of God. They began to pray for each other. They saw miracles happen, fear break off, anxiety dissipate, mental health issues change. They began to see people fed with the little that they had and it was happening again and again and again. And you can imagine that crowd grew. They had to be careful, but it was amazing. When the immediate danger was over, they said, well, what do we do now? And they felt God say, multiply this. Every one of you in your home, begin to invite people who are hungry. Begin to say, this is a place, that's a safe place. This is a place where we believe God can break through in the miraculous. God can do what we cannot do. We've got more than enough to give to you. Suddenly, there were 200, 300 cells all across the wider capital city. That was a sovereign work of God. But it took an obedient woman who just said, I wish my home could be used like this. I wonder here in EFCC, this is a home. That's why you've got people who are hungry, people who know that maybe Jodie, precious Jodie, when you're hurting, you know this is a place that you can come to. You just felt it. And we honour that this morning. We don't take that kind of thing lightly. Because it takes courage to do that. But actually, why is that feeling? That feeling is a God saying, safe house, 
Safe house, safe house. And I believe the Lord is saying to you, safe house, EFCC. I really felt as we were worshipping that God was saying, E stands for effective, F for favour, CC, carrying change. I believe you're going to be effective, favour filled of God and carrying change for your community at this time. This is a time of shift and change in Jesus' name. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Say every. Every disease and sickness. I don't know about you, but I am fed up of us being fed up of disease and sickness. How about you? I am ready for a release of new power and presence of God to begin to shift these stubborn issues. I am not settling for less. I thank God that we do see. If I were to go around the room here this morning and say, how many of you have experienced Jesus' healing power, healing miracles? How many of you have seen someone changed because you've prayed for them? Come on, let's put up our hands. Let's break the lie that says it doesn't happen in Britain. Oh, yes, it does. But I want to see more, and I believe this is the temptation that we are in. Do we believe the lie or do we believe the word of God? You know, Jesus went through the villages healing. He saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When I go out in our communities, I see people just like that, tormented, harassed, helpless because there's no one who cares. What's a shepherd? Someone who cares. And God is putting that heart of the shepherd back in the church to begin to see as he sees. I know when Rachel came, she spoke to you about a God who sees you. But guess what? He's made us like him to carry that heart where we see the need. We see and we say there's a God who cares. God sees you. The harvest is plentiful, says the Lord, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into their harvest field. We've already said it again and again. Rich said it this morning. You know, this is the best of times and the worst of times. I believe we're in a season where everything that can be shaken is being shaken. But the word of God in Hebrews says, it is why is that happening? So that we can receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In other words, what God brings, his kingdom, his rule, his peace, his life, his healing cannot be shaken no matter what else is going on. It doesn't depend on the school buildings holding up under rack or not rack. It doesn't depend on whether we can pay the fuel bills. He is our provider, not the government in these days. And we've got to shift our focus and say, God, I plug into the source of life that cannot be shaken in these days. Amen? Amen. Who is my supply? If it's the government, we're in big trouble. Not because they're bad. They do what they can with what they've got. But my source of supply is Jesus. Amen? And we need to be signposts in our generation. I don't know about you, but sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm overwhelmed by the need. I'm a person of compassion, but I feel incompetent. I feel like I haven't got enough. And if that's you this morning, guess what? You're in a good place. Because actually, when we recognize we cannot do it, 
we have the opportunity to shift and align with one who can do it. Jesus saw the cry. Jesus saw the need. And he was filled with compassion. What does that mean? It literally means his bowels were turned inside out. It got him in the guts. He was literally, we say it, don't we? He was gutted. That's what it means. It's a strong word. And I believe Jesus wants some of us to carry that sense of the hurt of our community. Not so that it overwhelms us, but so that we can come and be the source of life for them. You and Jesus together are an incredible combination. So the first thing I feel God wants to do this morning is break off each of our lives the sense of futility that we have had. Where you just say, why bother? What I've got is too little anyway. Look at the need. Jesus saw the crowd and he said, look at the need. My God is more than enough. My Father in heaven will supply. I feel that for you. Are you, are you a couple? Good. I'm not marrying anybody. I should. <laughs> Always worth checking. <laughs> I just felt that sense of futility. And maybe it's not an alarming thing that you feel every day, but every so often it's like I felt it goes off across your screen. Does it really matter what we're doing? I felt it like almost in the workplace for you, so I don't know what you do or where you are, but it's like I just felt God say, I want to tear that off and rip it up. Even that slightest sense of just like, Oh, can I be bothered? And it's like getting up and doing it. And you're faithful. You do get up and do what you're called to do. But I feel God wants to remove the sense of futility. It's weighed you down. It's, it's, it's been a heavy yoke on you. And he's literally snapping that today. And he's saying, you know what? I am going to replace that sense of futility with a real sense of fruitfulness in this season. For you are knit into the living God. And you are made to bear fruit fruit that remains, fruit that outlives you. For both of you together, I just feel there's such a call on your lives to bear fruit, such a call on your lives to be carriers of the hope of Jesus for families, for communities. There's a creativity there as well. And I feel like he's saying, dream big, be creative, go do that blue sky thinking. Why? Because actually this is a new day. And even the quirkiness of the past, God is saying now is your time. That which didn't quite fit felt like a square peg in a round hole or the other way around. It's like it's coming into its own right now. So resurrect those old dreams. Dust down those, you know, journals. But it's time not to journal your dreams, but to actually live them in this season. And God will show you the way. I hope that makes some sense to you. These, these are days of great contest, great difficulty, great challenge. But in extraordinary and challenging days, there are doors of opportunity. And I believe God wants to help us see the opportunity in the midst of the crowd. You might be overwhelmed by a sea of need, but Jesus stopped for one person at a time. He stopped the woman with the issue of blood who tugged on his coat, and he said, in the middle of the crowd, who touched me? And it's like, Jesus, come on. <laughs> Everyone's jostling up against you right now. And he's like, no, 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 no. There's one in this crowd. Jesus saw the man who was begging in the street and he'd been there for 38 years and he was sitting by a pool. His hope was in the wrong place. If that water stirs, if I'm the first in, you know, if I win the lottery, basically, one in a million or 10 million or 100 million or whatever it is, and it's like Jesus said, no, 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 you're the one this morning. You're the one. And guess what? He stops for the one 
and the one, and the one, and the one, and the one. And he says, you matter to me, but I want to teach you to be like me. We used to have those, and this dates me big time, but do you know those, those wristbands that you say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I believe God wants to ask us, what would Jesus see? When you meet somebody, what does Jesus see in the person? What is to prophesy? Why are we doing what we're doing this morning? If you're here new and you're thinking, flip, what, what is this place? It's like Drew's on it. This is where it's like, what, what are we doing? Well, basically, we are speaking the dream of God over someone's life. We're actually breaking some of the lies that we all have. Our mindsets that tell us we're not good enough. This is for you, beautiful lady in the pink there. Sorry, I don't know your name. But the lies that just say we're just about good enough on a good day. But actually there are lies that the enemies put there. There are lies that we put on ourselves and we agree with the lies of the enemy. And God says to you, I don't want you to hear that anymore. He says, you know what? We break that off in Jesus' name. We cancel the lies. We rewrite the record. There's a new story being written over your life. And you are going to trumpet that. Like the woman at the well, you're going to say, you know what? I found a Jesus! And he's amazing. And you become a signpost in your generation for all the right reasons. In Jesus' name. That's what we're made for. But we've got to be flexible. This is what God said to me. This is still the season of the unscripted and the uncertain. We will need to be incredibly flexible, adaptable, quick to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit at a moment's notice. We're going to hear in our spirits again and again and again, all change. And we're going to have to be people who are ready to shift and change with the wind of the Spirit. This is a season and a time to hold everything lightly and commit to travel light. What does travel light mean? It means we lay aside the offenses of the past. And I want to say to you, if you've got offended in your life, or if you've got offended in church, God help us, it happens. <laughs> if you've got offended, can I beg you to get rid of that offense? Why? Literally that offense, that word offense is a picture in the Greek language when it's used in the Bible and in the Hebrew. But in the Greek language, it's a picture of the trap that's been set for an animal. And the word offense is literally the bait that you would put on a trap to attract the animal so that it gets absolutely paralyzed and stuck. That's the word offense in the Greek. So when the Bible says, don't let your heart be filled with offense, it's literally saying, don't get trapped by the enemy. You see, offense, you might think I've got good reason to be offended, and perhaps you have. And I'm really sorry if you've been hurt. I'm really sorry if you've been betrayed. I genuinely mean that. I am so sorry you've been wounded and hurt. But I beg you, don't let the enemy make something that's been bad even worse by trapping you in that bait of offense. You have a choice today to say, you know what? I am getting rid of all bitterness and offense. I am tearing it out of my life because I am going to live free and I am going to extend the greatest gift of all, which is forgiveness. Why? Because Jesus extended it to me. So how can I do anything other than that? Did you deserve it when he forgave you? Probably not. But he gave it you anyway. And now we have the privilege 
to be in that place and extend it to other people. I had no intention of saying that this morning, but I feel it in the room. Please let go of offence. This is what it means to travel light. This is what it means that we can then be free to go through the towns and villages and give away what we've got. Why? Because what we've got is pure. Don't let the well of the water of your life be contaminated with the wrong things. If you give someone a cup of contaminated water, guess what? The toxicity spreads. They get sick. And we don't want a sick community. We want a whole, healthy community. So we need to guard our hearts. Break off futility. Deal with every intimidation of the enemy. I can't say this to you enough. The enemy is a liar and a bully. And he will force you into that place of feeling intimidated. Shut up. What do you know? Shut up. Whatever you say is a waste of time. But guess what? He's the waste of time. And unless we learn to hate the enemy and all his works, we're hating the wrong thing. Some of us don't feel like we've got much because we're intimidated. And God is breaking intimidation. Exodus chapter 4, 1 to 5 and 10 to 13 says this. This was the story of Moses getting his marching orders from God to help a people caught, trapped in their lives to actually get free. But Moses didn't feel like he'd got what it takes to help other people. And this was the conversation he had with God. Moses answered God when God had said to him what he wanted him to do. But, but God, what, 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 if, what if they don't believe me or listen to me when I say the Lord appeared to me? What, what if they don't believe it? The Lord said to him, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses replied, a, a staff? Like I'm a shepherd, he's a staff. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Signs and wonders. This, said the Lord, is so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, has appeared to you. Moses said to the Lord, but pardon me, he's still not convinced. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been an eloquent person. I don't know how to speak. Don't send me to talk to these people in the community of Epping Forest and Loughton. I've got nothing to say. And God said to him, who gave you your mouth, Moses? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, "Uh, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) I love that. It's very real, isn't it? I wonder if you've ever said, "Uh, pardon me, Lord. Send someone else. But today, God is giving us another opportunity. And he's asking you here at EFCC, what have you got in your hand? And you say, oh, it's just a staff. It's just my ordinary trade. You know, just the thing I do every day. It's nothing special. And I can hear some of you saying that. It's just what I do. Yeah, and that's more than enough. In God's hands, it's more than enough. Remember the little lad with the five loaves and two little sardines? And Jesus has got a crowd of over 5,000. And he's saying, has anybody got any food so I can feed this lot? 
And they're like, you must be joking. A food bank for Loughton is going to take more than two sardines and five, you know, seriously, God. But God says it's more than enough. Bring what you have in your hand and I will multiply. I think of a beautiful lady, I'll call her Maria, my M's today, Miriam and Maria. She lives in a little village in Ukraine and the village was being bombed as was her whole region at that time during the war. And she said, I've got nowhere to go. I, I, I don't feel to be a refugee to go anywhere. I just literally have got no contacts, no one. I, I can't do anything other than stay where I am. And I just feel, she was a believer. She said, I just feel to do what I know how to do. And I love hospitality. I love to cook. So she cooked meals. And she just said, if anyone needs a meal, come my way. But supplies began to run out. So she had one 500-gram bag of pasta left and some herbs from her garden. And she said... Till it runs out, I'm going to cook it. So she started cooking. And for 10 days, she cooked the same bag of pasta and herbs from her garden. And people came through her house. She was feeding up to 150 every day. And all she said was, all, all I want you to do, take as much as you need. You might not have had a meal for five days. Take as much as you need. All I ask of you, when you eat what you need, pray there'll be more than enough for the next person who comes my way. That is faith in God, isn't it? What have you got in your hand? This is a precious person being bombed in the middle of a war zone. And she says, what I have in my hand is more than enough. Those stories I know are not unique, but aren't they amazing? What have you got in your hand? God said this to me, these are the days of Noah. And I was like, oh yeah, God. Noah's day was like, full of corruption, society was breaking down, people were so immoral, it was like terrible. These are the days of Noah. And God said to me, no, don't always just focus on the negative. And I was like, I'm sorry, God. What are you saying? God said to me, what was Noah in the middle of the rot of his day? And I said, he was the solution. Noah was the answer, the solution to the problem of his day. He must have been considered really quirky and slightly out there. He started building an ark when there wasn't even a drop of rain on the horizon. You can imagine that, you know, if you, if you did that right now in like 32 degrees, we'd be like, uh, loopy, what's going on? But actually, he was the head and not the tail. God knew that what Noah had would be the answer to what the culture, the society, the community needed. And he had the answer, the solution ahead of its time. I believe that's what God is doing with his church in these days. Those quirky ideas. I don't know why I'm looking over here, but I just felt you, you, there's a creativity there. There's creativity in this church. You might think, that's a crazy idea. Why would I do that? Bring it to the elders. Bring it to the leadership. Pray over it. Steward those thoughts, because who knows? You might be like Noah, the answer to the need of your community. Maybe it's not a need right now, but it might be six months down the line. Amen. And God is priming that pump of craziness. Amen. The amazing thing about Noah was he was obedient. And God says to you, I don't need your expertise. I don't need you to be a multimillionaire, although that would be helpful if you are here today. <laughs> I don't need you to have it all, but I do need you to say, yes, Lord send me. Will you be obedient when he says, yeah, because I believe you're in for the greatest adventure yet. 
It's time for faith adventures with God. It's time for you to be in that place where you just stand back and say, wow, God, look at what you're doing in this safe house of EFCC. Effective, full of favor, carrying change for your community. Come on, God can do this. Are you inspired to make a difference? Or are are you overwhelmed by the challenge? I believe God would say to you this morning, let me coach you. I noticed from your website that you're doing a series on discipleship. What's discipleship? It's basically learning the Jesus way. It's letting him coach us in the ways of God so that we can do what he did. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. (laughs) Get rid of those things that are infecting people's lives. Litter pick their souls, not just the streets. Let's get rid of the rubbish. Why? Because they're too precious. Valued. Tell them who they are. In Acts 3, verse 6, Peter and John said this, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. (laughs) I love that they knew they carried signs and wonders. What's amazing about that scripture is they knew what they didn't have and they were real about that and they knew what they did have and they were unapologetic about that. I believe God's asking you, what is in your hands, EFCC? What have you got in this room? You're amazing. What have you got in this room? You might know what you don't have. That's great. Church down the road might have what you don't have. You don't all have to do everything. But I believe it's time for partnerships. I believe it's time for the net to go wide. I believe for us to look bigger than just ourselves. I believe for us to get out there and say, you know what, we don't have this. Does anyone out there have it? Because we could partner with you. We have what you don't have. Be bold about what you have. Identify what you have. Celebrate what you do have and do well. Because it is a signpost in this generation. Like Noah, I believe EFCC could be an ark of hope in the middle of a community that is needy and hungry. And they're hungry for living water. Let them come. Let them find hope. I'm going to close with this because I'm just mindful of the time. God said to me, I want to restore the hand-eye coordination of my church in these days. And I said, oh, that's an interesting picture. You know, like, I don't know if you watch football or or tennis or that sort of thing, but the hand-eye coordination of those tennis players is phenomenal. I pick up a tennis racket and I'm like, oh, where's the ball? (laughs) But God said to me, I want to restore the hand-eye coordination of the church. And this is what he said. You've looked and you've seen many projects, many plans, many purposes, many needs, many missions, and you've put your hand to the plough faithfully. You've attempted to do many things in your own strength. But this is the day when that which you now put your hand to will no longer be frustrating and futile, but it will have an incredible reach and outreach. It will have influence like never before because it's not limited in its capacity anymore. The Lord would say to you, I am restoring your hand-eye coordination. And it starts by looking, not by holding. The Lord would say to you, look at me, seek me, behold me, 
And then you will know what to touch and handle. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He only did hand what he saw the Father do. And it starts with seeing me correctly. Look from the right perspective. For then you will put your hand and it will bear fruit. Then you will touch and hold your promises, says the Lord. And God would say, I am breaking off the spirit of futility in this time. I'm breaking it off and breaking off every containment. I'm literally taking the hand break. There, that where you've had almost like your hand behind your back and you've not been able to reach out and do what you know you need to do. He's saying, I'm taking the hand breaks off in these days and I'm giving you a new sense of mobility. I'm giving you a new sense of um, fruitfulness. I'm giving you a new sense of breakthrough. And Jesus said, you will do what I do in these days if you look to me. Behold me, behold me, my people, for I am restoring the hand-eye coordination of my church, says the Lord. So I pray for this church, Father. I want to ask you right now that you would restore that coordination. Father, I want to thank you that they are looking to you. That they, when they worship, they're looking to you. When they prophesy, they're looking to you. When they pray, they're looking to you. And Father, I pray right now for every sense of futility to break off. Father, everywhere where it feels like we've hit up against a limitation or we feel a bit contained in this particular area or we lack the resources for this particular thing, right now, in Jesus' name, we take off every containment. If that's you, you might just want to stand and say, you know what, I identify with that word. I'm breaking off futility in my life. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room just saying, you know what, I need God to touch this area. And right now we name that area. We name that obstacle. We name that mountain. And we say, in the mighty name of Jesus now, move. Shift in Jesus' name. Shift in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you. No more limitations. Whoa. No, whoa. Take it. Just take it. Breakthrough right now. Father, thank you fire of God, come and break every limitation, every limitation, whoa. Father, I thank you for the power to release us from where we've got contained. Thank you, Father. Release us from where we're contained. Oh, no more. And the joy of the Lord is your strength, says the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So we break off everything that would stifle joy because joy is going to break out in this house Joy, joy, joy. And that in itself is going to be a sign and a wonder. It's going to be like, what are you so happy about? Come on, you live in Britain. You live in Loughton. What you got to be happy about? And it's like, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Father, where joy has been robbed and strength has been contained, we thank you, Father. No limitations. God strengthens the feeble knees. And those who say, you know, I'm going to give way. And he says, come on. You're going to withstand, not give way. So I just really want to close with this. What you have in your hand is more than enough for this season. So can I just pray a general prayer for you? Is that all right? Father, I want to thank you for EFCC. God, I want to thank you for the good news that they are. I want to thank you for the safe haven that they are for so many in these days. And Lord, we literally set up that ark of refuge in this community. And we pray you'd bring them in, whether it's two by two or 200 by 200. 
We thank you that your supply is more than enough. I pray for the new partnerships, the new connections that are going to knit EFCC into supply for this season. And Lord, we thank you for the miraculous. We thank you that as Drew comes next week, between now and then, let the miracles even begin to happen. Let those signs and wonders multiply, Father, as we prime this pump in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.